where do you go to find some rest? You know, like, and I don't mean just a, a room in your house, but I mean, if you really want to get away from it all, where do you go? Um, a few years ago, um, the summer before we were getting married, um, I came to Dartmouth to live for a summer. And I got to tell you that I'm not really a city boy, you know? <laughs> like all those people, all those houses pushed all together. It's not, it's not, it's not my thing. And to make matters even less appealing sometimes was that I had, it was one of those summers where you needed to get a job just to get a job, right? We've all been there where we've had a job just to kind of fit into that thing. We knew that it wasn't going to last. We knew it wasn't going anywhere and maybe we didn't even like it. But you do it because you needed a job. And I remember in this job, I wasn't particularly caring for it. And you know those jobs where you just like, you're just counting the days until your weekend, right? Well, this was one of those types. And sometimes on a weekend, my goal was to head out of the city and go to a place that I found restful. And so what I would do is I would pack my bags for this little weekend getaway, and I brought a couple things that I might take on this trip. I'd bring a water bottle, right? I'd bring some newspaper. And last but certainly not least, a Hardy Boy mystery novel. <laughs> I don't care the fact that it says it's ages from 10 to 14. This is, this speaks to my heart. Where would I be going where I would need these three things? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, my, my wife's family, they have a family cabin in North Queens um, by the lake. And I have a couple pictures of it. There's, that's the main cabin there. It's in the, little, in the forest, and then there's a, even a smaller cabin that, that we call mine and Melissa's, and it's the next picture. And there it is there by the lake, and then there's another picture of it inside, what that looks like. It's like very rustic, right? And so I need a water bottle because there's no electricity, there's no well, so I need to have lots of water. I need a newspaper because nothing's worse than getting there and not being able to find anything to light the fire with, right? And of course... The Hardy Boys is, you know, when I'm not on the lake or when I'm not walking through the woods, there's nothing quite like on a sunny afternoon, lying on the couch and seeing the sunbeams come through the window, reading a Hardy Boys mystery. I don't know what, um, what would be rest for you. Maybe that rustic life out in the woods is not your thing. But let's just think symbolically. I think we need more cabins by the lake in our lives. You know what I'm saying? Oftentimes, that's not our story, is it? It seems like our lives are just so busy. It's like we're a hamster on a wheel, and you're like, when is it going to end? Sometimes we are just exhausted in life, and then we're irritable because of it, and it can be overwhelming at times. It feels like it's never going to stop. I'm going to say something strong, but sis, did you know, what if God had an antidote to the stress that we face in life. Well, he does. And it's called the Sabbath. When you're saying, what's the Sabbath? The Sabbath is that day of rest once a week. 
It may not seem like it with our, our world and it's how it never seems to stop. It's go, go, go. But did you know, like, rest is part of the DNA of this world. Do you remember back into the creation story in Genesis where God, it says each day he makes something new. He creates the world and then he fills it. And then it comes at the end in Genesis 31. It says, and then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it to be holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work in creation. In those early days in the garden, everything was peaceful. It was filled with rest. It was complete. It was full. You know, Adam and Eve, they worked in the garden not because they had to, but because it was enjoyable. It was, everything was in harmony with each other. But then we know, of course, what happens is through deception and disobedience, Adam and Eve, they forfeit. They forfeit that rest. And as a result, they're kicked out of the garden and they're forced now to be slaves to the land, it says. It says, by the sweat of their brow, they have to work just to stay alive. That could have been the end of the story right there, couldn't it? But God, God didn't want that. So he, gives a, he enacts a rescue plan in which he wants to bring his people back into that ultimate rest that he designed for them from the beginning. And so he calls out the Israelites who at this time were now in Egypt and they were slaves to the Egyptians. And he says, come on out and I will take you to a land of rest, a land where you're not going to be you're not going to be lorded over by some other country or some other kings, but it's going to be your land, and it was called the promised land. And so as God is taking his people to this promised land in the wilderness, God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments. And it's as if he was saying, he was inviting them, he was like saying, before you get to that land of rest, why not start living as if you are in that rest already by t- taking a Sabbath every week, a day of rest. We've been going through the Ten Commandments, and commandment number four is about the Sabbath, and I'm going to read it to you right now. It says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. There's something significant about the number seven. You know, in, in, Hebrew, in Hebrew thinking, seven was the perfect number. It was the number of completion, the number of fulfillment. And it's no coincidence that it's the seventh day that is the day of rest. You know, it's almost like saying, God saying, you're complete when you're at, in my rest. And you know, that seven isn't just related to the Sabbath, but I found it interesting to, to discover that, you know, the Sabbath was one of seven festivals and holidays that the 
Jewish people celebrated every year. God also said that on the seventh year is the year, it's like a Sabbath year. It's the year that you're going to not plant your fields. You're going to leave them fallow. You're going to let them rest. You're going to forgive people of debts. You're going to release the slaves. And it even goes better than this. Every seven cycles of those seven years, which will be 49 years, at the end of it, there's going to be something called Jubilee. This year where if you had to sell your land, your family land, because you didn't have money, that land was supposed to be returned to you. There was forgiveness of debts again. There was forgiveness and releasing of of slaves and all that. It's as if God is saying that these celebrations are symbolic of a future ultimate rest that is coming to you. And we know what happens, right? The Israelites, they go, into the, they go into the promised land, and of course, what do they do? They mess up again. They disobey God, and so they are carted off again to be someone else's slaves, and they're carted off into exile. And all through all of this, God is saying, I have ultimate rest for you. It is coming. It is coming, and so they wait, and they wait, And they wait. And then Jesus comes on the scene. I never noticed this before, but did you notice in the book of Luke, Jesus' first ministry thing that he did was he went into his synagogue, his hometown, on the Sabbath. And he reads from the book of Isaiah. And he reads these words. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to his attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in that synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Did you catch any of those words like, He says, I'm here to set people free. I'm here to restore what was lost to those people. This this language, this, this verse that he pulls from Isaiah is reminiscent, and they would have picked this up, reminiscent of what happened in the year of Jubilee or what happened during that seventh year Sabbath. And it's as if Jesus is saying, I am the ultimate Jubilee. I am the ultimate Sabbath. Jesus came, he came, he was the fulfillment of what the Sabbath was meant to be. What did Jesus say in Matthew 11? He said, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying your burdens, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, that means some things change for us as Christians in relation to this commandment, what it actually means is that we are not under the Mosaic law anymore. We are under this this new covenant with Christ, which means that we don't have to follow this rule to that T, that seventh day, you have to keep it holy. Those words are not so binding on us anymore. In fact, that was a very controversial statement to say that, that we didn't have to follow the old covenant. In fact, Many years ago with with Paul and that early church, they used to argue 
and say, of course, if you're going to follow Jesus the Messiah, you have to follow the Jewish rules. And Paul says, he says no. And he says, for instance, he says in Colossians 2, he says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moons, ceremonies or Sabbaths, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. So you may be wondering, what are we supposed to do with this Sabbath rule? And I like how a person said it um, in one of the authors and um, writers on the Bible Project website. They said simply this. They said, Sabbath is not a commandment we are bound to, but rather it is a promise we are invited to enjoy. Just because we're not bound to certain laws doesn't mean the wisdom from those laws doesn't exist anymore in our lives. And I want to argue today that even though we are under the new covenant, I think in our busy world, we need Sabbath more than ever before. Why, you might ask? Well, there's a number of reasons, but first of all, Sabbath rest is healthy. You know, I think we all know that rest is healthy, don't we? But sometimes we don't think it's worth it, right? Like you think, oh, rest is good for you, but you don't know my life. I'm busy. I don't got time to rest. You know that saying people sometimes say, I'll rest when I'm dead? That's a bad, that's a bad saying. But some people, you use it. You think you just don't got time. Or some others of us, we, we, we feel really guilty when we're not doing anything, right? Like we see all the stuff that needs to get done, and we just, we just can't settle down. We can't rest. And yet, I find it interesting that even in the secular world, Everyone knows that rest is good. I typed, uh, just for fun, I went on, a, on Google and I just typed benefits of rest. And of course, you get all these articles. And at the top was, you know, Forbes magazine. And they were just saying, you know, some of the benefits of rest, how, how it heals the body, it reduces stress, it boosts creativity. And ironically enough, it increases productivity. It's almost like, God meant us to rest from time to time. Here's an important truth right here. It says, rest is vital for life to flourish. And yet our lives often are so hectic, aren't they? We fill our lives up. We have work. And now, and now when you go home from work, sometimes work comes with you in your pocket. You can never turn off. And maybe you have kids at home and they have things that need, to do, that need done. You have extracurriculars. You've got to be this for your family. And then social media. We have social media now so that when now, when we were used to resting, when we're lying in bed, what are we doing? We're often scrolling on Instagram. Facebook, watching YouTube, and it keeps our minds from actually resting. Did you know that the number one goal of social media is not to connect you with your friends? The number one goal is to make you addicted to their products so that you are consumed as much as possible with your time and attention. That's the goal of it all. 
And yet, in all of this, in this life that we live that is filled with technology, and we can't get rid of technology, like that's just not gonna fly. It's just such an intrinsic, intrinsic part of this culture. But how does Sabbath play into all of this? I don't know if it's my personality, but I, I like to, I sometimes get captivated with a certain topic, and then I start researching it, and I start reading books on it, and I start really thinking about it, and then, you know, after a while, I get bored and move on to something else. Well, a couple of years ago, the thing that I was on was the stock market. That was the stock market's what's interests me, and so I started reading books on the stock market and trying to wrap my head around it. And it was right in that time that what happened? COVID happened. March 2020, and if, I don't know if you remember what happened, but in March 2020, when the world started to lock down, when businesses were forced to close, the stock market went, People got scared. People didn't know... Where's the bottom here? And the market crashed for a brief amount of time. And as the market was dropping and dropping and dropping, obviously the people that run the stock exchange were getting a little worried. And so what they did was they implemented something called a circuit breaker. And a circuit breaker, the level one circuit breaker, meant that the market would stop for 15 minutes. It would be like a timeout. 15 minutes. And the idea was that in 15 minutes, maybe, just maybe, we could just pause, take some deep breaths, realize that the world's not going to fall apart, and hopefully, logically, make some better decisions. And so over March 2020, there were four times that circuit breakers were implemented in the stock exchange so that there was just that time, that, that timeout mark, 15 minutes. And you know, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, we need more circuit breakers in our lives, don't we? We just get going on that treadmill and we get going and running around and our minds are just getting filled and they're just racing and racing. We lie down at night, lying in our beds. We're physically not moving, but we're on our phones and it's just going and going and going. And it never stops. And it's almost like God puts in this idea of taking a Sabbath so that you get to that day and all of a sudden, time out. Let's just pause. Let's smell the roses, as they say. Let's just remember what really is important. Let's take that, that break. This hectic life, um, author and pastor John Mark Homer, he calls it the hurry disease. And he has this quote, he says, Corey ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. But sin and busyness, both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even your own soul. Busyness is, it's, it's killing us. I find it interesting, this phrase in, in Exodus 31, it says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. You ever think, interesting thought, God could be refreshed? And I'm wondering, I'm like, if God took the time to stop and to be refreshed, 
wouldn't it probably be a good idea that we did as well? Sabbath rest, it's a healthy thing, and if you want to experience some of those benefits, I would encourage you, have you ever thought about taking a Sabbath in your life? One other thing I want to say about Sabbath is, Sabbath is to be a blessing and not a burden. And unfortunately, that wasn't always the case. Has anyone here ever read the Little House in the Prairie series? No one? Just me? <laughs> I remember reading those, that series, and I can't remember which book, but I remember come Sunday in the 1800s, Sunday was a big deal. There were certain things you could and couldn't do, and so you'd go to church in the morning, and then you'd have to come home, especially as kids, you'd come home, you'd sit in the living room, or as they call it, the parlor, and you'd have to just sit there. Maybe read a book or the Bible, or if you're a girl, you could knit. You weren't allowed to go play games outside. You certainly weren't allowed to yell and laugh. You weren't allowed to go fishing. You weren't allowed to do anything that might be fun. You just had to sit there. And unfortunately, it made the Sabbath, or the, 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 the Lord's Day, one of the most dreary and solemn days of the week. If you were a kid, you didn't want Sunday to come because it was just so boring. Legalism just seems to be a human condition, doesn't it? You know, even back in Jesus' day, they started making all these extra laws about what you should and shouldn't do on the Sabbath, and unfortunately, the focus shifted from it being a day of rest to being the focus, oh, are you following the rules or not? And what happened was, it's very ironic, because what was meant to be a day of rest now becomes yet another burden to put on your back, to have to carry. And Jesus once kind of, he has a few kind of run-ins with the Pharisees and they're disagreeing about, is he working on the Sabbath? And he, he basically calls them out and he says, you guys are missing the entire point. You're missing the point. And he says this, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Taking a Sabbath invites us to do two things. It invites us to stop, and it invites us to enjoy. We have to stop what we're doing, stop, you know, all the other things we do the six days of the week, and just take a time to stop and rest. And you know, taking a Sabbath is not the same as taking a day off. Because what we often do when we take a day off from work is we come home and what? We do all those projects that are on the to-do list, right? That's not what Sabbath is. Ta Sabbath is a time to actually just to rest and to stop. And then it is a time to enjoy, a time to enjoy life that God has given us, a time to enjoy our families, and of course, a time to enjoy the Lord. I remember the first time as a kid that I actually appreciated taking time off, like, because it was the Lord's Day. I don't know what it was like in your family, but for ours, um, we, there were certain things we wouldn't do on a Sunday. We weren't legalistic about it, but we typically would never cut the grass on a Sunday. We would never, um, I would never, we'd never do hay on a Sunday. We would never cut wood, firewood on a Sunday. We wouldn't boil sap on a Sunday. And as a kid, I used to hate that, because I used to have to go to school Monday to Friday, and I hated school. 
which left Saturday and Sunday to go home and do fun things, right? And I used to find cutting wood with my dad fun, so that left just Saturday to do it. That all changed, I remember, one summer. We, we had about 50 meat chickens we raised that summer. And once they were all fat and ready to uh, be butchered, instead of getting a crew of friends over and doing it all in one day, me and my dad just kind of picked away at it for over a week. And so every morning before he would go to work, we would butcher about four birds. And then he would go to work. And then when he came back, we'd do maybe four more that evening. And so it just kind of dragged on. We'd do that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And then Saturday, we really pushed through it and tried to do more. And there was still more to be done. And you know, I was getting a little, a little tired of all those chickens. <laughs> and then Sunday came. Do you think that we did anything on Sunday? No. And I remember even as a 10 or 12-year-old, remembering is saying, aha, now I understand. Now I appreciate taking that day of rest. I want to challenge you this week, and not even just this week, this month, and this is a big challenge, and I'm taking part in it as well. It's... Have you ever thought about creating a modern-day Sabbath for you or for your family? Like, really? And if you're going to create a Sabbath, you first have to have a plan. You've got to think of what day you're going to do it on because sometimes Sundays or Saturdays just are not probably the best day. And then you've got to decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do because sometimes it's going to be different for each of us of what is life-giving or not. And maybe this would be a great time to make traditions on this day. You know, traditions, things that you're going to look forward to every time that your Sabbath comes. And some of you won't like this, but probably what you should also do is you got to go, you got to digitally unplug. I've been trying to pull back from social media a bit, and I realized something. My evenings go a lot slower when I'm not scrolling on Facebook. <laughs> I realized how much, it's like, wow, that, it's, this clock is just creeping. It's amazing how much time you have when you're not just on your phone all the time. When you're making a Sabbath, you want to do things that you don't do at other times. You know, you don't want to just do, even if you enjoy your job, don't, don't do stuff from your job. You got to do stuff that is, is life-giving. And I'm wondering today, If you'd like to take the risk of trying something new, trying something that is countercultural, and, and just letting God see what God does, you know, do it for a month and see what God does. And just, just maybe, just maybe you will experience that kind of rest that you have been craving for. Let's pray together. Father, in the words of St. Augustine, I just, we pray that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And Father, you know our hearts, you know our lives, you know how busy we are. And yet you give us this gift of Sabbath. And I just pray, Lord, that you would be speaking to some of us here today that is that you are calling us back 
to that time, to that day of rest, that rest that comes from you. And so I pray that your spirit would be speaking to us today in how we can better rest in you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.